You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the series Food for Thought, featuring stories from big thinkers who spend their lives envisioning a flourishing food system in their local communities and for our entire human family. We'll be speaking with Jenny Coleman, member of Fair Trade Canada and president of Equifruit. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you, Peggy. It's wonderful to have you here today, Jenny. First of all, can you please explain for us what is Fair Trade Canada? Fair Trade Canada is the Canadian chapter of an international certification program called Fair Trade International that sets the rules for trade between generally Global South producers and Global North traders and consumers. Wonderful. So, just briefly, then, how does the Fair Trade system work? There are kind of two ways to think about fair trade. There's fair trade in two different words, which speaks about, the, you know, fairness and global trade in, in general terms. But when I speak about fair trade, I'm speaking about fair trade in one word, capital F, and that refers to specifically this certification. Under fair trade, one word, it's still trade. You know, it's still transaction between a buyer and a seller. And essentially, each party has rules to follow so that we might work together and say that our product is fair trade. The rules that the growers need to respect have to do with sustainable production, production sustainably, economically, environmentally, and socially. And on the buyer side, the equifruit side, for example, mainly has to do with price. It mainly has to do with paying for that sustainable production and also making additional contribution called the fair trade social premium, which growers use for community development projects. Okay, so there's an understanding. There's a It's a voluntary relationship. You sign up and follow the process and receive acknowledgement and agreement that you're a fair trade producer and then voluntarily on the buying side or the trading side, same thing. So people voluntarily have come together to this fair trade arrangement. And we're, we're both audited on respect for this system. You know, you can't just say this without walking the talk. And if you don't follow the rules, you're going to be suspended or decertified. So it's serious business. Right. And I think that that's really important to know that it's not just a PR uh, mechanism. Is it self-reporting or you had mentioned inspections for compliance across the social, economic and uh, environmental? Yeah, theme? that's right. It's There's an audit, a rigorous audit process. Uh, for growers, it, you know, it can take a week. The standards to be respected are pages long. You know, there, there are many, many different segments. If we think about economically sustainable production, that talks about workers having actual contracts with their wages written and that those wages have to, at the very minimum, respect national minimum wage, which is more difficult than it sounds, and moves to living wage. If we think about social sustainability, we're thinking about no child labor, no forced labor, gender equity, occupational health and safety standards. If we're thinking about environmentally sustainable production, we're thinking about very limited pesticide use for conventional fruit production or water usage, carbon footprint, 
all of these things are very complex. And so the audit process is also long and detailed. On the buyer side, on the Equifruit side of this, it's mainly a question of checking to see that we've respected what's called the fair trade minimum price, the price that we must respect throughout the year for this sustainably grown fruit that we are buying and that we've paid the social premium. So our audits are very administrative, whereas the growers' audits are, you know, very, very hands-on. Right. So what it is, is a new way to transform the food system. We aren't talking about government sanctions and and that sort of thing. It is people voluntarily aligning to the Fair Trade International Network, doing all that's required to sign up for it, all that's required to remain in the system and honor all the agreements that there were and have people buy products that are fair trade because they believe in it and they want to. So uh, Jenny, we've talked a little bit about the system itself and the people that animate the system. What types of agri-food products are fair trade certified generally? Well, 80% of fair trade certified goods in Canada are coffee or coffee related. That's definitely number one. Bananas are a growing segment. Tea, sugar, cocoa, those are the sort of the, the highlights. And there are standards for many, many, many other products. And if you go onto Fairtrade's website, fairtrade.net, that's Fairtrade International's website, they have a database called pricing and premiums, something like that. And Mm -hmm. you can see all of the different products that are listed there beyond those big categories that I just referred to. And you can see what those fair trade minimum prices are and what social premium is required per product. Those minimum prices that you you can see in this database, as I say, those must be respected throughout the year, regardless of the movement of global markets on those commodities. Because what we want is to sell a sustainably produced good. And if you're getting a good deal, well, probably somewhere somebody has cut corners in order to drop the price. So we're not ever looking for bargains. We want sustainable prices, sustainable production throughout the year. So that database will really help you get a feel for the breadth of products which can be certified and the standards under which they're going to be sold. That's really interesting that the prices are set and people in the fair trade system, they can project out what a year is going to look like. And it's very interesting. I'm thinking some Sometimes um, here in Canada, certain crops don't get harvested because we don't have the labor in order to do it or something has come up. And yeah. so I think with a model like this, when we say it's sustainable, we think, well, fair trade, that's social and that's you know the kind thing to do. And while that is true, market-wise, it makes sense as well when it is sustainable, meaning the product is going to be available, there'll be people there to do the work, there'll be people in the supply chain willing to trade it. It is really a new concept of our food system, which I think is really interesting. Jenny, you mentioned bananas are one of the agri-food products that are fair trade designated, and you are the president of Equifruit. Can you tell us a little bit about Equifruit and your work with bananas? So Equifruit is a Canadian fair trade banana company. We are based in Montreal. We say that we are on a quest for global fair trade banana domination. We want to change the banana industry so that there's a more fair distribution of value along our supply chain starting with small growers and plantation workers at the beginning who traditionally have got squeezed. There's a reason that bananas are very, very low priced in our grocery stores. Essentially, we can think of that low price 
as a subsidy that those small growers and plantation workers are giving us through low wages, poor working conditions, and living the effects of environmental shortcuts. And we just cannot stand by that. We want that to change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fair trade for us is not charity. It is a framework for doing ethical business. And it's a way for us to offer an, a really sustainably grown banana at fair prices along the supply chain. I think that that's a very interesting work. And part of the reason why I do the show is I didn't want to just complain about it anymore. Be an observer that had complaints. <laughs> I want to try to do something. So raise the yeah. conversation level, have others talk about it, form more deeply rooted an opinion, whatever it is. I don't have an agenda for what listeners get out of the show, except for we raise the conversation level. And I think that what you talk about really is the same thing. I'm sure some listeners, particularly in this day and age, are thinking, gosh, how can we afford it? And so it's going to be complex to change an entire system, but it starts with people with dreams and not just dreams, but taking them to reality. So you have Equifruit, you're the president, you're moving a lot of bananas, you work with a lot of producers, it is fair trade. And uh, we do also have a new federal bill. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That is a catalyst for some of the aims that you just talked about that Equifruit has. Yeah, this is new legislation, which just came into force on January 1st, uh, 2024. It's called Bill S-211, which is essentially a modern slavery bill. It's a bill to eradicate child and forced labor from supply chains. It's not specific to bananas, but it does require Canadian companies to look into the products that they are sourcing and ensure that they haven't been produced by child or forced labor. Bananas are an easy product to talk about because it's what is harvested at origin is what we see in stores. It's very direct. And, you know, we know that there's child labor in the banana industry. I was in a webinar about a year ago where uh, a woman from the Ministry of Social Services in Ecuador talked about about 15% of Ecuadorian labor uh, being child labor Mm -hmm. in the banana industry. And that is really driven by poverty. That is driven by small growers, you know, not being paid a fair price for their case of fruit and needing to rely on the labor of their children to earn their subsistence wage. We know that there's forced labor in the banana industry. Generally, this happens in countries where there is migration from one very, very poor area to another. Yeah, we I support this legislation as a first step to raising the awareness of Canadian companies on mm-hmm. the need to dig deeper into their supply chains. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how it uh, plays out. Um, and so we do need a supply of fair trade products in order to fulfill and meet the new legislation. So we'll have to see what happens as we start our new year and we live this new legislation. Thank you so much, Jenny. After the break, we'll hear more from Jenny Coleman, member of Fair Trade Canada and president of Equifruit. This is Food for the Future and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast and where you get your podcasts.
I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Jenny Coleman, a member of Fair Trade Canada, about the social sustainability in agri-food through Fair Trade. Jenny, this show is part of the Food for Thought series. And what would a world look like with Fair Trade standards implemented everywhere? Well, I think that we would see a world with a more even keel. You know, I'm the banana lady. <laughs> I always go back to banana examples, but we look at the migration crisis on the southern U.S. border and we wonder why all of these people will leave their homes, track with their children across kilometers and kilometers and risk it all basically in order to get into the States. There's a reason for that. If you are from Guatemala, for example, one of the countries that is highly represented in that migration wave, and you are working on a banana plantation for next to nothing, why would you stay? We keep banana prices artificially low to draw customers into stores. But as I said earlier, somebody is paying for that. Mm -hmm. And those people are people too. They're people with lives and families and ambition and hope. And there's little hope when you are living in generational poverty, growing what is our favorite fruit here in Canada. So I think that that example shows us that if you are paying somebody fair wages and they're working in good working conditions, most people around the world don't want to migrate. Most people want to stay in their home culture with their families and live a productive life. And this is sort of the the hope that I have through fair trade is that we have a rebalancing of wealth, you know, small W, because these are our baby steps, but this is a, a step towards sort of tangible, pragmatic international development, which allows communities to grow people to feel dignity in their work and invest in their communities. Such a powerful aim. And I think that's probably why fair trade internationally has traveled so far relatively quickly. And I think those aims, not just for the growers, the people that are the traders and, and the purveyors, but the people that are purchasing it share in that dream. So it's, I think, something that we can all be part of. And we start at our own level and we know we're not just connected to whatever it was, that banana, that cup of tea, uh, that chocolate bar, but the whole vision of the world behind that. On the Fair Trade website, there's so many touching quotes from growers and producers across the world. What's one of your most meaningful experiences, Jenny? Oh, my goodness. I have so many. I think that one of the moments that touched me most deeply, I've referred to two elements in the fair trade system. The fair trade minimum price, which is simply a fair price for sustainable production. But there's also this fair trade social premium, an additional amount which we pay to growers for community development projects. And I was visiting our growers, our partners, a cooperative of small producers in Ecuador. And one of the projects that they supported in their community was a school for special needs children. And I have a profoundly disabled child. And so to be in this school with the parents of other very deeply disabled children, and to think that the work that we do in Canada has this ripple effect through our supply chain back to the school, which compared to our Canadian schools for special needs children is so under-resourced, you can't imagine. To think that we are having this impact in a community far away was very, very powerful for me. 
you know, that was personally very powerful. But when we look at sort of the impact on on growers themselves, not just their communities, but growers themselves, we've seen improvements in housing. We've seen growers who have themselves very, very little in the way of education, but who have managed to send their children to school and their children are going on to college or university and have opportunities that they never dreamt of. And hopefully through fair trade, if farming bananas is a project that makes economic sense, then those children with their further education, perhaps they studied in agronomy, will come back and farm that family farm. And that we will continue to have a supply of bananas. So those stories really give me a lot of optimism for the future of food. I know this is the theme of this show, but it it really does. It makes me think that there's a next generation that is going to be interested in growing the fruit that we here in Canada love so much. That's such a heartwarming story about a family able to have their children in school, whether that was the special needs student or whether that was just school, period. That's right. And and seeing the interruption of the cyclical nature of poverty, which is often related to education. So Mm -hmm. cost and worth, it's almost hard to actually quantify. We take a humanities approach to this show, which includes big ideas. That was formerly philosophy, but we think more about big ideas and, you know, dreaming big. Why do we need to raise the conversation level of social sustainability in agri-food through agencies like Fairtrade? Because our whole world is connected. You know, people often don't really think about where bananas have come from. They just appear on their shelves and don't question why the price is so low. But there are effects of that low price. And we need to get people to think about where their food has come from. We can't grow bananas in Canada. And yet bananas are the most consumed fruit in Canada by a long shot. And, you know, our, our world is a global world. I talked about migration issues earlier. You know, we all know that climate change is not just on our doorstep, but here. We have to think about how we equip ourselves to grow fruit sustainably in our globally changing context. Yes, it's an interesting point that, you know, looking into fair trade, one of the fundamental premises paying farmers and growers fairly. And that raises the conversation locally as well about making sure that our farmers are able to continue their livelihood. So it's helpful in a much broader uh, context. We have a hashtag that is farmers got to get paid. And in a way, in that case, we... We're speaking in general terms. You might think about your Southern Ontario fruit grower or that same farmer's got to get paid as a global thing. We might be thinking about our Peruvian banana grower. They're all working for us in our food systems and they deserve fair pay. Right. And we want to keep our food system strong and resilient and a joyful place because food is such a wonderful part of the human experience, in my opinion. And Jenny, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, I've had a lovely uh, time speaking with you today. Fair trade is a rigorous, transparent system that ensures the sustainability of food production. And while the cost may be a little bit higher, we have to think globally about the impacts of fair trade on communities and participants all along the supply chain. Thank you so much, Jenny, for your vision, all your hard work. It was a pleasure to have you on the show talking with us about fair trade. 
My pleasure. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about big ideas with Jenny Coleman, president of Equifruit and member of Fair Trade Canada. Each week, to continue to envision our future in agri-food together, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about or something to do. Something to talk about? How could you contribute to fair pricing for producers? Something to do? Search Fair Trade Canada to see how local teams share their ideas for global encouragement. Next week on the show, we return to the series, Waste Not. We'll be discussing revitalizing communities with Vicki Huang from Leaf Canada about restaurant certification in food waste. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and all other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.